Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody, and welcome as we Pastor. Can you turn on your mic? That's a good idea. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me now? Good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Thank you, Angela. Wonderful, wonderful worship. And thank you, Ray, for organizing everything for us today. Um, I feel very strange today. Feel very strange. I can't. Um, uh, pray for me, please. I, I'm serious. I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I, I've been preaching 20, 25, 30 years and every now and again, something happens. You get a word and you just can't handle it. And today's word, I can't, I can't cope with it. So Father, I pray you would give me the ability to deliver this message. I don't have it. I'm not worthy to even speak. So Lord, I invite you, Holy Spirit, you need to take over. You need to take over today. In every way, in every household, in every person listening, every person, we surrender, God. We surrender at a special moment and leave space and grace for God to, to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So about five weeks ago, if you remember, <clears throat> we started a, a series looking historically at the people in Scripture. We looked, we began first with Solomon and we looked at what would the lesson be that Solomon would teach us? What would he say? What would the most important thing have that Solomon would have? And we saw that that was fear the Lord. If you find it in your life, your behavior shows that you don't fear the Lord, you're going to get in trouble. Big trouble. Fear the Lord. We saw with David the enormity of presumption. He looked back on his life and he was able to trace when I was presumptuous. It was then that I lost the battles. It was then that I ended in defeat. Don't be presumptuous. Don't take God for granted. We looked at Joseph. Joseph can wear his coat, but he wouldn't wear it with humility. He was full of pride. And so he would teach us whatever graces, whatever blessings, whatever favor is put on your life. Don't take that for granted. Today's character is Judas. Now, I don't know how many messages you have heard on Judas in your life. I, I certainly haven't heard many. And to this week was the first week that I actually took any quality time out. I've studied every character, every main character in the Bible in the past. It was part of my study in college and also privately. However, never did I take so much time in the character of Judas. Um, and my conclusion in looking at him in great detail was that Judas would say to me, and I would propose that Judas would say to you, don't become like me. Don't end like me. You could end like me. Don't end like me. 
don't come to the end that I came to. I mean, even the very name, even the very mention of the name Judas just puts a shudder down. No one wants to be called Judas. Nobody has a baby and calls their baby sweet little Judas. It just doesn't happen. It's a name, it's a name like Hitler. You know, when I was in Berlin, I was fascinated with the Second World War. And when I was in Berlin, I actually went to see the grave of Hitler, or at least the place that it is largely considered where he died. It's a car park. It's a car park. And there's a little plaque there that says, this is Hitler's grave, but we don't want any flowers. We don't want a memorial. This is the German people speaking. We would rather just forget about Hitler. Want to forget about him. And Judas falls into the same category. Uh, I'll send you a photo later. I, 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 I put a slide together this week. On one half of the slide is a photo of St. Peter and St. Paul's, the, the Vatican in Rome. And the great monument, this, this, this splendor of the Sistine Chapel, that the place where St. Peter and St. Paul died. I, I'm not a Catholic. I don't go into idols and all this stuff. But I do understand that the men who gave their lives so valiantly, that human beings wanted to display something of, of, of what they saw and to honor them for what they had done. You look at the grave of St. Peter and Paul. And then you look at the grave of Judas, which is a field, a barren field called the potter's field. To this day, tourists come from all over the world to see it because of its desolation and its sheer ugliness. It is nothing. What a difference we see in Judas and the rest of the apostles. What would Judas say to you? Don't be like me. Don't end your life like me. Do you know, Judas was the ultimate scam artist. Bernie Madoff can take second place here. Judas was the ultimate scam artist. And in my job as a pastor, I, I get discernment. I see things. God, you know, he honors my position and he'll tell me things about maybe a husband who's in adultery or a wife who's in adultery or, or a leader that's wrong. And I know they're wrong. And I have to go to leaders, I have to go to husbands, I have to go to wives privately. But let me tell you a little secret here. The number of times that I have gone to protect someone from a Judas and they have rejected me. <laughs> yes, they have rejected me. They have shot the messenger. They shoot the messenger. Jesus never exposed Judas. <laughs> it's a certain wisdom there. <laughs> They shoot the messenger. And I've seen this again and again and again. People are embarrassed to ever even think that there's a Judas in their life. Do you think I don't have discernment, Pastor Mike? Do you think I wouldn't know it if my wife was like this or my husband was like that or my pastor was like Do you think I wouldn't know it? You're trying to make a fool out of me? I wouldn't fall for a scam. And people are embarrassed by Judas. They don't want to be associated with him. And that's part of the problem. You know, I deal with dating, as you know, single people. And many people get conned on dating sites. Many people get conned in business. But they don't want to tell you because they feel embarrassed. They feel it makes them look stupid. And this is the effect often of Judas's around us. We don't want any association. So let me open today with a question to myself. Do I have anything in common with Judas? 
Do you have anything in common with him? Well, I would put it to you that you have a lot more in common with Judas than maybe you've ever thought. And that I have a lot more in common with Judas than I would ever like to think or have ever thought. For example, have you ever betrayed someone? Has someone ever trusted you? Even when you were a child, you promised something, but you deliberately betrayed someone. We've all betrayed someone. Every human being has done that at some point. Well, you've got something in common with Judas then. Have you ever betrayed Jesus? Apostle Peter did that. Famous for it. Even with all his love for Jesus, the Apostle Peter is famous, very famous for his betrayal. He came back. So I've just been looking at at the lessons in the life of Judas. And if he was here, what would he say to us? Don't become like me. The first point to you this morning, Judas was given the opportunity to change, just like all the others. Jesus called them all to himself. They all had an opportunity. But in Luke's gospel, chapter six, there's an amazing word there because it says this in the, Luke's, Luke's gospel, chapter six, verse 12. In those days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and he spent the night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them who he designated as apostles. Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, Simon, and Judas. Listen to this. Who became? Who became a traitor? So he wasn't a traitor in the beginning. He had the opportunity, just like the others, but Judas became a traitor. And you can imagine, you know, when when you have larger leadership groups, you often have people say, Pastor Mike, don't you realize that this person is wrong? (laughs) What's wrong with you? Can't you see what I, has Pastor Mike got no discernment? Don't you understand who this, why do you trust that person? And you can imagine Judas walking with the others that that, uh, someone must have seen who he was and think, well, see this Jesus guy, Jesus is either stupid or he doesn't care where Judas is going, or he's got no discernment. None of those are true. But Jesus left Judas with his own decision and didn't intervene as such. Judas had the opportunity to change. One of the wonderful things about God, that even if there are traitors listening to me right now, you're still alive. You're still breathing, even if there's treachery in your heart and in your life. You're still breathing. You're still alive and you can still repent. Do you know, I have been employed. I mean, full time staff. I've employed many pastors in my time, many. And many of those men on the day that I offered them employment, I knew they were corrupt. I knew they were wicked. I knew they were evil. I knew it all. But I hid it, just like Jesus did with Judas. He knew who Judas was, but he gave him that moment, gave him that opportunity to put himself right. And in these last days, guys, don't play games with salvation. Don't play games. Salvation is a funny thing. It's a a peculiar thing, a strange thing. Because it has different effects on different people. Some, many people seem to go from bad to good. 
Other people seem to go, be quite good and then end up better, but some go from bad to worse. And salvation in the case of Judas or the offer of it took him from bad to worse. And it was incredibly deceiving because the people who knew him in the beginning, in the beginning, Judas was anointed like all the others. Judas went out and healed the sick and raised the dead. Judas preached the gospel for all those years, just like the others. Read your Bible. Jesus anointed all of them, gave them all authority. But the subtlety in Judas was there was an inside change. He became a traitor. He became a traitor. Life dealt him some pretty hard blows, I guess. Things didn't work out the way he wanted. He wasn't getting what he wanted. And so he became a traitor, betraying Jesus. Unbelievable. So you have to, people needed to look again at Judas. Because remember, in the beginning, he was probably okay. The Judas we used to know. We remember him. He was with us when we did the ministry. He was with us. But the trouble was, as time went by, Judas looked the same. He sounded the same, but he wasn't the same. He had become a traitor. He had become a traitor. On the outside, he looked with the same smile. He had the same greeting, probably preaching the same message. But inside, he had become vexed and vexed enough to betray Jesus Christ. Onto his own destruction. So the first lesson that I want to put to you is this question. What on earth are you becoming? What is life turning you into? What is the company you keep and your friends and society and the prep? What is it turning you in? What are you becoming? As Judas would say, don't become like me. Don't become an expert like he did in deception, in greed, in control, in trying to get in my own way, in lies. He was a master deceiver. Don't become an expert in that. Like Joseph would have said last week, right? Become an expert in humility. Become an expert in grace. Become an expert as a peacemaker. The second thing I would say and lesson we can learn from Judas is that the greed within Judas, and it wasn't just for money. The greed within Judas was utterly out of control. At one in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, Judas went to the Pharisees and he said these words. Listen to this. What will you give me? What will you give me? If I give Jesus over to you, what will I get? What a statement. And it reminds so reminiscent of Jesus Christ when he was entering ministry and the devil took him on the pinnacle and said, I'll give you all of this. You can have all of it. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus refused it. But here you have the same devil back again. What will you give me? And what, I mean, what's new, folks? Jesus faced this temptation and passed the test. Judas faced this temptation, did not pass the test. What about you? The devil will give you many things if you betray Jesus. He will give you money. He offers you pleasure. He offers you fame. He offers you power. He offers you position. He offers you many, many things. Nothing's changed here, guys. It's the same devil who's pushing at you and trying to get you to betray Jesus. 
And I would say, watch your company. <laughs> because as soon as Jesus started to mix with the Pharisees, as soon as he started to mess with the Pharisees and his company changed, lo and behold, he was changing pretty fast to his destruction. The third point I would say about Judas, Judas was an insider. He wasn't an outsider. He wasn't some stranger. Judas was a trusted leader. He's part of the leadership team. On the leadership team, trusted, brought into that small, small group. And wow, I mean, let me say this, guys. Judas did a lot of ministry and ended up in hell. Judas did full-time ministry for three years. And many of you listening to me, you've done ministry. You've been involved in ministry. It's no guarantee of salvation. Judas was in ministry, famous for it, no doubt. By the way, some people say, well, you know, it was the devil, but I don't believe so because Jesus himself gave authority to the 12. That's what it says. He gave them the authority of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, Beelzebub can't drive out Beelzebub, right? So Judas was in the same spirit at some point. The fourth point, Judas witnessed everything that Jesus did. Judas saw Jesus heal the sick raised the dead. He saw the father working through Jesus. And even in spite of all of that and all that had happened, he still chose to betray him. That's absolutely shocking. However, I noticed this very, very, very sad part of Judas in Matthew chapter 12, verse one, when it, it became apparent, the revelation began to come out that Jesus Christ was going to die. And Mary comes with the oil and Mary comes to, to pour the oil on the feet of Jesus to give Jesus everything. All right, worship team. When Mary came to pour everything she had on the feet of Jesus, what was the response of Judas? No, don't do it. Don't do it. He didn't want anybody to give their all to Jesus. It's OK, give him a little bit. Okay, give him something, but don't give him everything. And we've got to, again, be careful of all-out surrender, which is what it takes to be a Christian. Sixthly, and ultimately, Judas refused to obey Jesus as the leader. If you remember the story, at this time, there was the zealots and the zealots wanted to, to take back control from Rome of the nation of Israel. They wanted Israel and Judas was a zealot. He was politically active. He was very conscious of his race, the Jews. He wanted them to survive and to, to control Israel. So he was very nationalistic, highly political, a zealot. <laughs> and the, the belief of the zealots was that one day their king would come. A conquering king would come. This is what's been prophesied. And so Judas with the other apostles, they were waiting and they were waiting for this king to come. And then the week begins. Holy week begins. Jesus enters Jerusalem and he enters it with great pizzazz. You know, Hosanna to the son of David. And everybody raised their voices. They laid down the palm leaves and they welcomed him in. But the problem was all the apostles were, they were wrong. They had presumed, here we go again. They had presumed 
that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome. They had presumed that they were going to dominate. They had presumed that this is the way it's going to go. Of course it is. And when Jesus starts speaking to them privately, Peter and James and John, they gather around and say, Jesus, is this the hour? And one of the mothers said, Jesus, can my two sons sit on either side in the new government, the new kingdom here when you take over? And Jesus starts to tell them, that's not my plan. In a few days, I will be betrayed and I will die and I will be three days in the tomb and then my father will resurrect me. That's not the plan that Judas had. This is not going my way. And I want things my way. He was determined for that. Do you know when, when, when the apostle Peter began to realize that it wasn't going to be an earthly kingdom. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, will you go also? And Peter said, no. Who else can I go to? But you know what Judas said? Would, you know, if Jesus said to Judas, will you go? Yes, I'll go to the Pharisees and I will betray you unto death. Goodness me. What a shocking, shocking, shocking story. Judas can teach us many, many, many things. He took money and the hope of power and position to betray the son of God. And the question rings in my ear this morning. What will you take to betray? By the way, whatever you take, you can't keep. Judas took the silver to betray Jesus. And in the end, he lost the silver because he betrayed Jesus. Whatever You can take a relationship and betray Jesus because it's more important to you than Christ or principles. You can take power, you can take fame, but whatever you take to betray Jesus, you will lose that thing. In fact, you will come one day to despise that thing, as Solomon would tell us. Rebellion was ultimately in the heart of Judas. Jesus wasn't going to do things his way. And Judas was determined to get things his way. So when Jesus was continuing down this sacrificial and spiritual and selfless road, Judas steps in and he goes to the Pharisees and betrays Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And seventhly, and incredibly sadly, I have to say for me, Judas when he sees what's happening, when he sees Jesus Christ being whipped, when he realizes what he has actually done, it says in, I think in Matthew chapter 27, it says that Jesus goes to the Pharisees. He goes back and he tries to throw back in the money. He tries to give them back what he's taken in his life in exchange for Jesus Christ. But they couldn't care less about him. And by the way, let me just make this point. When, when Judas was at the Last Supper and they were all trying to say, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? The Bible says that Judas left, right? And it says Satan entered Judas. Satan entered Judas when he took the bait. And Satan didn't actually stay, I believe, in Judas very long because as soon as, as Jesus was betrayed, Judas wants to kill himself. Looks like Judas took a hold, uh, Satan took a hold of Judas, controlled him to do evil, 
Then as soon as Satan had got his will, he dumped Judas. And Judas was left with no power, no position, nothing, but an eternity in hell because he took the bait. He took the bait. He got, he got scammed himself. He thought he was the scammer, thought he was an exception, thought he was smarter than the rest, thought the rule book didn't apply to him. But in the end, he got caught in his own scam by Satan himself. Judas tried to turn the clock back in Matthew chapter 27. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans to have Jesus executed. So they bound him and they led him away and they handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned to death, he was seized with remorse and he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to you? Uh, what is that to us? They reply, that's your responsibility. So Judas took the money, he threw it into the temple and he went and he hanged himself. Absolutely heartbreaking, heartbreaking for me to, to, to see what happened to him. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it says this, I'll read it to you. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, like Judas, who have tasted the heavenly gift, Watch the resurrections, watch Jesus work the miracles. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit. And many of you have been anointed in the Holy Spirit and still are. It is impossible who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. If they fall away, take the bait. If they betray Jesus, if they fall away, it is impossible for them to be restored unto salvation because they are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to open. It means everybody knows we're Christian. Subjecting him to open shame. Goodness me. You see, Judas goes out there. He's full of remorse. And ultimately he's saying, can I, can I change what I've done? I betrayed Jesus either in my principles, my values or my knowledge. Those who have the knowledge of the word of God, they know what is right. They know what is right, but they choose to disobey it and thus reject Christ by their actions. Judas never accepted Jesus Christ, I believe, as his total Lord of all. I don't believe that actually happened within him. He struggled with this all of his earthly life. Because in Matthew chapter 26, at the Last Supper, when they were all sitting round, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. One of you is going to betray me. And at that time, you remember, each and every one of the 12 said, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? But one person didn't say Lord. And that was Judas. He said, is it I, Rabbi? Is it I, Rabbi? And he was, he, he showed how he perceived Jesus as just another teacher. And he's not. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I would say to you today, 
Jesus needs to be Lord of our finance. Jesus needs to be Lord in our relationships. Jesus needs to be Lord of our decisions. Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And the other apostles who went on to be martyrs, with the exception of John, they all said, is it I, Lord, knowing who Jesus is and obeying him? But one person, Judas, said, is it I, Rabbi? You're just a teacher, just like us. And I see that big, big, big mistake in Judas Iscariot. In conclusion this morning, what are you becoming? Do you ever see, you haven't seen someone or you visit a town or you go back home after being away for years and you say, whatever became of A, B, C? What became of them? What happened then? Sometimes it's a good story and sometimes it's an absolute tragedy. What are you becoming? What is life making you? What is it creating in you? Is it good or is it bad? Make sure that you're becoming the workmanship of Christ. These are the lessons I take from Judas. I need to do an assessment of what I'm becoming. I need to watch my company because as soon as Judas started fraternizing with the Pharisees, it led to his, certainly the loss of any hope of salvation he had and an eternity to regret that choice. Judas couldn't seem to choose a side. You need to pick a side. My wife is incredibly prophetic person. Thank God for you. And for the last few weeks, she, when we walk and pray, you know, she, she, says to, she says to me, Mike, it's time for people to choose a side in this world. Time for people to pick a side. No more ambivalence. They're going to have to choose and they're going to have to choose wisely. Judas just couldn't. He was, he was like Herod. He was like a ping pong ball back and forward. And the sad thing, you know, after he was, he killed himself, he committed suicide. The other apostles in the book of Acts chapter one, I think it is. They said, we need to choose someone to replace him. <laughs> we need someone to, someone to do the work that the traitor would have done. And God has called you, God has called me to do certain things. And I need to know that if I don't do them, someone else will do it. Someone else will do what you were called, called to do. I went out this morning for a prayer walk and I was thinking of the deathbed experiences that, that I've had to minister in as a pastor. You get called, you know, and you visit someone. One of the most memorable ones was a man who was given about 24 hours to live. And his son was a friend of mine. And the son said, will you come with me? And I went into the, it was, he was actually in a house. He was at home. And they sent him home because they said he has, only has a very, very short time. He can go and be with the family. So I went into the bedroom with the father lying in the bed and the son sitting beside me. And the son was nudging me and saying, lead him to, you know, lead him to Christ. Bring him to repentance. So I sat with that dying man and I explained the gospel again and again. And again and again, from this angle and from that angle, and that man on the brink of eternity, point blank, rejected my message, categorically refused to listen, refused to respond. And I had to sit there and I went outside and I was shaken. I felt so grieved for the son. 
And the son grabbed me. He could see that I was hurt and I was sad for him. The son grabbed me and he said, Pastor Mike, don't, don't be sad like this. This is not your fault. You gave him every opportunity. You gave him all the warnings like Jesus with Judas. Jesus gave Judas every opportunity like everybody else. Jesus is not at fault. Judas is at fault. Did you hear that? <laughs> Jesus gave Judas every opportunity. I gave that man every opportunity. I explained the truth. It was Judas's decision. And it was that man's decision. And that son stood outside the house. And I'll never forget it. As he put his hand on me. And he said, my father has had a multitude of opportunities to repent. A multitude. I have taken him on Christmas, taken him at Easter, taken him for baptisms, taken him for dedications. He has heard the gospel a multitude of times. And the boy said this to me, Pastor Mike, when you were praying for him, the word of the Lord dropped in my spirit. Seek the Lord whilst he may be found. Seek the Lord whilst he may be found. And I don't know theologically what was going on with that man, but I do know as he was dying, he rejected Christ. Maybe he presumed that he would get another chance. Maybe Judas presumed that if he gave the money back, he could somehow be like the others, the other leaders who had not taken the bait. Maybe he presumed that, but that opportunity was not there. It was not there. And so Judas kills himself in full remorse. Shocking story, absolutely shocking story. So my conclusion today to you and to me, what are we becoming? The pressures of life, the, the pressure of my own culture. What is it turning me into? Am I gonna become political? Am I gonna become avaricious like, like, like Judas who, who loved money? Am I gonna become a seeker of power? What, what is life turning me into? Would I ever, would I ever leave Jesus and go and betray him? Would I do that? Would I deny him? Would I do it for money? Would I do it for a person, for a relationship? God help us. We're dicing with death, you see. Dicing with death, being presumptuous. What are you becoming in these last days? Watch your company. Because bad company will corrupt you. Choose a side. And if I don't do my work, someone else will do it. And I don't want that to happen. I want to serve the Lord as he's guided me. And lastly, if Jesus is not Lord of all in my life, you've got to question whether he's my Lord at all. And Judas was happy to have Jesus take control of this area, but not this area. Jesus can have control of this, but not this. And Mary, when she poured all the oil, giving Jesus authority over everything. When Mary did that, this made Judas very, very angry. Don't give him everything. Just give him something. And it's similar to Lucifer, huh? Same problem, wanting some glory, wanting something for yourself. I invite you this morning, Christians, leaders, to repent together with us. 
we wrote this message together, by the way, as we've done for the last many, many weeks. This is no longer just me. This is Mary's also. We construct these things together. So our word to you this morning, reconsider. What are you becoming? Make Jesus the Lord of all your life. And any of you are not saved. Whilst the door is open to repentance, go through that door. Go through that door. Don't be like my friend, my friend's father, who was presuming next week, next year, the door will still be open. I don't understand what happened, but I certainly did not see that man turn to Christ. So don't presume even that you have a tomorrow. Don't presume. But today, repent. Today, today, now, now, right now, repent and ask God that he would be Lord of all in your life. Father, we call you into our homes and into our families. We pray your grace to reach us, Lord. We realize our shortcomings and sadly we see more in common with Judas than we would ever hope to see. We acknowledge our weaknesses. We acknowledge our dreams and our hopes like he wanted a united Israel. He wanted governance of Israel for his own people and we understand that. But there's a right way to go about everything. And we trust your ways. Give us the grace to trust your ways. Give us the strength to lean on you and not to demand my way. Because this can lead to treachery and betrayal. We trust your way. Lord, we trust our leaders. I trust Jeremy and I lift him up into your hands. And even as Judas fell for that great mistake of thinking he knew better or could do things better. I give VFC Singapore in these last days and I thank you for their governance and I submit to your greater vision, God Almighty. In each of our homes, I pray for the wives that they will submit to their husbands as to the Lord. I pray for the children that they will submit to their parents, honoring them as Jesus did his parents. And particularly in these last days, Father, would you save us from the Judas type attitude? Save us and give us that Peter and Paul mentality that serves the Lord with all of our lives, all of our decisions. I'm going to give you one moment, guys, to repent. I'm giving you a moment. To make Jesus Lord of all. And not to betray in any way the Son of Glory. Father, we commit ourselves into your good and gracious hands. Jesus said, no man can come to the son unless the father first draws him. And I pray for all those listening and all those who will listen. The grace of God, would you draw people to you? Would you draw me to you and cause me to have a holy and reverent fear, to walk in humility, to be careful of all that I'm becoming in these last days. Give me the grace to stand against the tide of corruption, the tide.
hide deserting Christ and deserting the principles of Scripture, betraying the principles that we know and have grown up with. Forgive us, Lord. Bless every home. Bless every family. And make us good and diligent servants in these last days, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Michael, for such a timely word. It's true that we don't often hear a sermon from the life of Judah, but today we've learned a very important lesson from Judah that we will not turn away from God, we will not betray each other, 